Welcome to today's edition of Pipeline Things. We're continuing our conversation with the hitchhiking dirt merchant that we picked up in the last episode. It was a fun ride as we wrapped up the uh, FEMSA uh, advisory bulletin on geohazards. I'd say honestly for me, probably one of the most pragmatic, useful shows you'll get from us. And did you raise your chair up? Why is it so high? No. Dude, are you feeling threatened? Is this better? No, that's just where I'm used to seeing you at. <laughs> Hopefully, you enjoy the episode. I know I certainly did, and thanks again to Alex for joining us on this show. All right, welcome to today's episode of Pipeline Things. I'm your host, Thing 20, otherwise known as Rhett Dotson, my co-host, Thing 21, Christopher DeLeon. Again, greater in number, not greater in stature, as we always make a point to say. Um, this episode is going to be super fun today. Um, I'm excited about where we're going. It is a continuation of a previous episode, so if, if you're jumping right in on the show for the first time, you, you got to listen to the previous episode to fully appreciate everything that's going to happen today, right, Chris? Yeah, I mean it was fun. We had uh, we had cookies. Thanks, Gemma. Baking class. Mm -hmm. Love baking camp. Uh, we we went on a road trip. Yep. But we didn't. You know, you, I think it's you. I have road trip issues. I mean, there's no doubt every about it. Whether it's lightning, flat or a tires, flat tire, hail, hail storms, storms, body damage. And now, like, the, thankfully, guys, if you if you haven't watched the episode, we we got stuck in the mud. And found a hitchhiker. And and the like, dirt merchant. like a good consultant, they they they're there when you need them. Like and a good dirt merchant. Alex McKenzie Johnson is there. <laughs> yeah, it can work. I bet you he picks that slogan up. So <laughs> we'll sure, uh, I am definitely. Yeah, you know, made a, it made a fun discussion. You know, he getting into the the geohazards thing. I think all in all. It was good that we picked up the hitchhiker. He's here, he's here. He's here. He's here. He's here. He's here. He's here. I thought you guys went home. You guys were oh. filming the podcast in the office? I mean... Hey, Alex. Hey, take a seat. Hey, take a seat, Alex. All right. Good to see you, Chris. Brett, good to see you. Welcome back to the show. Um, so, uh... Is that a tomato juice? I didn't know they sold uh, tomato it's juice it's at Bucky's. Sparkling, uh, sparkling cider or okay. sparkling soda here. Wow. <laughs> sparkling soda. It looks a whole lot like tomato juice. Maybe with a little something else. <laughs> so we didn't make it to disc off. We, we, we decided to take a detour and bring yeah. the dirt merchant home, which is where we find ourselves today. And I think we're going to bring this geohazards discussion home, too. I think that's where we're going to head. Yeah, so these are nice digs, though. These are nice Apparently digs. Apparently playing with dirt and rocks. Helps you and move up. I tell you, you what, get to high places. You know what? We, we, don't, we look, didn't go to fourteen footer, but uh, some people get to four, high places. Fourteen footer, fourteen thousand, fourteen thousand. Four, we call it a fourteener. Fourteener, yes. Um, so yeah, you, you to, need to clarify what a fourteener is. Let's be real clear. I think though. most I think people that out. Do you know what a fourteener is? I do. Thank you. Done. Yeah. All right, clear. Two of three of us do. <laughs> um, so. We're here today at, at Geosyntex facilities. It's great in the woodlands. I don't often like just shamelessly plug people, but if you get a yeah. chance to come see them out here, you'll do have some pretty nice digs. We yep. got a great thank, view thank behind you. us. Thank you. So, and you know, thanks for. Uh, I, I think a sign of success on the show is if a guest comes back for part two, right? This is, this is his third time on the show. Yeah, no, but part two of the same episode, oh, right? Yeah, no say, doubt. Hey, no, I knew it was the third time on the show. Don't tell Fudge. Fudge has only been on the show twice. Yeah, he doesn't know that, though. And I don't know. Fudge, Fudge won't find out, don't I'm sure. Fudge. Don't hey, tell Fudge. Can we keep this between us, just the three, four of us here? I'm sure we can, right? Okay. 
I so. think David watches the show. <laughs> so um, hopefully they can't hear what Ms. Wow. Producer said. Let's not let's not go there. So uh, let's pick back up for the audience. Super fun, guys. We we were in the FEMSA advisory bulletin on geohazards, um, which came out on June second, twenty twenty two. Just to catch everybody up real quick. Uh, that is largely a recap of one that came out in 2019. Um, it had several sections. We really only covered the background last time. Yep. And I don't want to rehash all of that because it was a lot of fun talking about how broadly applicable the number of incidents that occurred into it. And as we started to get into, um, I'm going to say sections four and sections nine, if you have that document or you've ever seen that document, it talks about monitoring plans and mitigation. And as we started to unpack that lovely little box, Last week, we immediately got into some disagreements on language. We had some fun discussions on whether an activity is data gathering, if it's assessment, if it's yep. P&M. And so that's where we're going to go today. So We need to wrap that up because I think that's important. What do you mean wrap what up? Well, when, when there is a, a, a published document that is used for guidance, it's important mm -hmm. to understand its intent, what it says, how to interpret it. That's why, for example, FEMSA offers FAQs. All of those type of things. And a lot of times these, these advisory bullets are explicitly intended for that, right? It's for FEMSA to say, hey guys, here's a trend. Mm. This is something that's happened. Uh, we want you guys to, to understand this and, and begin to address it. And yep. so I think industry is going to gonna look at this and they need to know, one, again, like we said, how to interpret it, what its intent is, and, and understand what words are in it. So I do think we need to go through it. That's what we're trying to do today. I think we're going to disagree. I, you know what? If we don't disagree, I don't know if it's a good show. I think, uh, I think Alex is going to be the tiebreaker on some of this stuff. Is he really? I think so. Oh, let's do it. So uh, we're going to get right into this, guys. So again, um, I'm going to go through. Uh, again, we we went through last time using geotechnical engineers identification of areas. Yep. We went through all that. So again, you have to listen to the last episode where I want to pick up now. As I'm going to read, it says monitoring plans. And it calls them monitoring plans. Okay. May include provisions related to the following. And there are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight points that it makes underneath here. Under the guise of monitoring plans. Let's go. Okay. Uh, let's what I want to do is let's, let's talk in. through each one. Let's do it. Let's go. It says ensure during construction of new pipelines that excavators do not steepen, load, or undercoat slopes, which may cause excessive ground movement. So question. I want to say I have a question. I'm sorry, I have a question. You, I don't, we don't raise hands on the show. Ms. Producer has not instituted a rule where we have to raise hands. We're not we, in kindergarten. We need to get one of those buzzers to see who taps it first and that's who gets to speak. So, Could you imagine what the audience would hear, what they probably just heard when you tap the table? Yeah. So this is called, these are activities related to monitoring. Yes. But you said the word construction. Yeah, you need a monitor during construction. Okay, so let's vet that a little bit. Say it again. Say it one more time. <laughs> Ensuring during construction that the excavators don't steepen, load, or undercut slopes. So how do you monitor that? I, I know where because, you're going. Because monitor is a continuous activity. I think we're actually going to have agreement here. So what are we going to do? I, I personally, I don't think it's monitoring. Yeah, I, I, Chris, I'd be inclined to, to agree with you on that, but I don't think it's typically what we consider monitoring. To, to Brett's point, though, you got to have somebody out there who's monitoring those activities, right? Yeah. And so it wouldn't be, you know, typically you wouldn't consider that part of an integrity management plan, but perhaps no. part of your construction. Bingo. So we're both right. Yeah. So let's call it a tie between you guys here. Yeah. So you are monitoring, right? And I, but th th I think this is what we need to do. Well, right? let's talk about a little bit about it. what causes this. Yeah. Right. And I think this is worth, because I'm sure you've seen this. I've only heard about it anecdotally. 
where, for instance, a pipeline was constructed. Alex, you went through there. It was yep. previously forested right away, yep. which has its own set of properties. Mm -hmm. You excavated, which changes the properties of Sorry. the soil in that region. Mm -hmm. You put the pipeline in and then boom, two years later, maybe a year later, maybe six months later, you start having issues. Right. That is valid. Have you seen that? I've only heard about oh, it anecdotally. Absolutely. But I think it's important to realize that kind of going through some of the things we talked about mm -hmm. during the prior episode is that typically when you start having issues, it's because there's already a predisposition mm -hmm. to ground movement in that area. So in most cases, you're already going to have indications of an area that's landslide prone even before that construction. So that's where things like LIDAR upfront studies are very important because you can identify those areas. But how would you do it if it was forested? I'm thinking like, like some of these for like right away as they cut right through national forest on the sure. hillside. How do you get that data before you build the pipe? Yeah, and it, there's an amazing technology called called LIDAR. Mm -hmm. That is, shoots through the trees. That's right. It, so um, it, what it does essentially in, in the uh, 30 second like version just learned something. is allows <laughs> you to get that uh, ground topography yeah. Uh, yeah. underneath all the trees, kind of strip off all those trees at the top mm -hmm. and you can make images that you can then see what the ground looks like. So you can see those indications of past landslide activity, even when you have thick tree cover. Cool. So, so our, our avid listeners are like, what is Rhett talking about? Because we talked about this the first time the Dirt Merchant was here. Yeah, I know. I gotta be you honest. Need to go, I, you need I, to go watch I, the episode again. I, I'm, I'm gonna shamefully say that sometimes I forget <laughs> about the capabilities of LiDAR. And like when I hear it again, I'm like, oh, you can do that. Yeah. But point is, look, let's get to, I don't wanna belabor every single point. Right. Right. Well, I think we agree this is a construction related activity. Yep. Maybe a monitoring component that takes place there. Yep. So I'm gonna say Rhett one, uh, Chris Zero. Okay. So <laughs> is that how you score when you throw disc golf too? Just arbitrarily. Um you've never beat me and it wouldn't make a big enough difference if I don't know if I did beat you it. the first time I played. So we'll have to ask someone <sighs> about that. Alright, let's look at the next one. Conducting periodic visits and site inspections. Mm -hmm. Increased patrolling may be necessary, right? And it says right away patrol staff must be trained on how to detect and mm -hmm. report conditions. I get two questions I want to ask. Number one. Is conducting periodic visits related to monitoring? I, I think so. Yeah, I, think so. I would agree. But so yeah, we agree. This you already have known locations that you're trying to mm. visit, right? So now here's my question for you, Alex, because you and I have talked about this. How difficult is it to train right away patrol for what to look for? I think it's very difficult. I think it's um, mm. well. You, know. you mean I can't sit somebody through a one-hour course? Yeah. I mean, what are they looking for? Cracks in the ground? Well, I'm, I'm intentionally being facetious. No, it, it, it's a good question because you know yeah. we, we have helped some operators in terms of dealing training programs. Uh, we do provide those those training programs, but you know it's important to recognize that the there's a big difference between you know, seeing like an entire hillside mm -hmm. has collapsed or very large significant movements. Uh, most people can recognize those versus much more subtle mm. indicators of movement. So the, probably the most important thing. To, to get out of that training is that you get people's uh, radar uh, kind of tuned in so that they're yeah. looking for those things and that they know who then to contact once they see it, right? Yeah. So if you have an in-house geohazard team, that those people are then it, put in contact with that geohazard team, or if you have an external company that's supported that effort that they're able to report those, those yeah. indications. But um, Also, how difficult is it? Another thing. Not all right-of-ways look like a golf fairway. That's right. How difficult is it to do this? How dependent is right-of-way maintenance on this? Right-of-way maintenance certainly helps. Mm -hmm. And, you know, a nice, clean, well-mowed right-of-way makes it much easier to 
to see the ground conditions. Um, it's, it's really important to keep in mind though that even really good geologists who have a lot of experience, when the movement is relatively small, may not be able to visually see it. And wow. so typically you're gonna need movement, you know, back of the envelope estimation about six inches to a foot or more before you're gonna really start to see those changes um, on the roadway. Wow. So I, if I could jump in, maybe, maybe give us your thoughts here, Alex. You know, when I, when I think of monitoring, I wanna take it back to a process. Yep. And I feel like monitoring is kind of like towards the end of the process, right? So you would have had to have like already identified the site and you kind of already maybe know what the threat is that you're yeah. kind of trying to look for. And so what you're doing is you're monitoring. So would something like a, maybe like a checklist help somebody during like a site visit or something like that based on yeah. whatever we thought the threat was? Absolutely, you know, and one of the things, you know, uh, but kind of we kind of skip past this a little bit, you know, it's really important with monitoring to have an objective in mind. You know, yeah. What are you trying to do? And how does it match up with what you're trying to to monitor? And um, I think one of the challenges with geohazards with integrity management is you're not just looking at the pipe, you're also looking at the area around the pipe, the right-of-way, in some cases even off the right-of-way. Yeah. That's a different kind of mindset. And so, you know, when looking at this list that uh, FIMS has put together, these all have a purpose, but the purpose has to be understood. The objectives have yeah. to be I really, I, I honestly love the way you said that yeah. because the same threat is always not active. Mm -hmm. So if you send whoever out there, I think the tendency is to use the field office, right? Hey, send um, Johnny from the field office to go inspect this area. And he doesn't understand what he's looking for and he's not properly trained. Mm -hmm. yep. That is not an adequate. Yeah. Well, what happens a lot of times, I mean, we've seen this like when you're managing corrosion, for example, right? Like geohazards in this context of integrity management is one of several threats, right? Mm -hmm. And so when you think of something more, more well understood, more rehearsed, you'd say people are, are need to gain competency, right? Which is training and experience, mm -hmm. right? And so this is just one of those threats that there's going to have to be a runway almost, right? Where they're kind of building up some speed before they can take off and say, hey, I think we can, we can really start monitoring the threat of geohazards because it comes in different forms, right? Right. And I think being, being realistic about what can you expect, you know, if, if you yeah. deal with operations folks, they're very busy, right? Yeah. They've got a lot of things they're doing. Um, Looks good to me. Yeah. I went out there. <laughs> I didn't see anything. Looks good hey, to me. Get, get it on paper. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> if you didn't write it down, it didn't happen. You got to no, remember that's that. That's not what I'm saying. Cause these, these guys are hardworking guys. They're some of the yeah. best people I've, I've ever yeah. I don't, I'm just saying, guys. I understand the threat. I don't think I'm the right person to go out. I've, I've right. come to realize that, right? right. That there's training there, and it's not it's not just somebody who's familiar. They have to know what they're looking for, and as you right. mentioned, they have to know the objective too. Yeah, and so important. you got you got to kind of, and, and if you look at this the list here, right? It's kind of a a shopping list, right? These are a yeah. bunch of things that you can do, not necessarily that you should do in every set, yeah. right? That's a good. And so point. I think yeah. understanding the, the sites you're monitoring, what's realistic, and what's the objectives are important. It's the same thing with the patrol is you're not trying to make them into geologists. You're just trying to make them like, mm -hmm. hey, if something really has changed. I think it's like your first line of defense. It's like your lowest level first line of defense. Exactly. So again, I'm gonna I'm gonna try and because that was monitoring. That's monitoring. That was monitoring. But I was gonna say is I'm gonna I'm gonna try and we that we went more into that than I thought. I actually kind of liked the discussion though. I appreciated it. Feeling like it's okay that we brought the dirt merchant back. It's okay. We I like the dirt merchant. I do. I mean, but I would playing disc golf would have been fun. I don't know. We're glad to have Wait, you back. I'm if sorry. If we play disc golf, we throw the disc or we throw rocks. <laughs> <laughs> 
that's a different one, right? Where they no. hold the he where would, they hold the stone. He would throw the disc. He would throw the disc, but then every time it landed, he would stop and look Pick at the rock. Right. right? And we'd be like, we have to keep going. Fair enough. So these next ones I think are actually related. Here's how I want to group these together. All right. They don't I'm gonna be honest with you, the wording is not good. But these are all indeed related to monitoring. So what I want to talk about is when's the appropriate time to use them. Yep. Okay. They say under monitoring, identifying geodetic monitoring points. I think mm. we're going to agree the word identifying excludes monitoring. I, I think they've been installing. I think that's, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to think that's, oh, they probably meant. So there we go. So if we have some disagreement, let's, let, let's run that to ground, right? So read it again. And what's the issue? Identifying geodetic monitoring points to track potential ground movement. As it reads, Identifying them doesn't do anything. I agree. What Alex is trying to say is yeah. you need to install them and then track them, yep. right? And they mention in here to track, but this bullet point just says to identify. So, so when we use the word track, are they really saying monitoring? That's yes. That's yep. a substitute. Okay. I just want to run that to ground, right? Because if someone's listening the second one, in their car driving to so work, let, let's put we it, don't want to run through it too quick. I agree. So that's let, let's just say geodetic monitoring points. The second one is installing slope. slope. Slope inclinometers to track ground movement at depths which may otherwise not be detectable during right-of-way patrols. Mm -hmm. Right. In slope inclinometers, which monitor what's happening over a given depth, are a good way of providing real-time indications of whether or not something's happening at the site. Mm -hmm. I would argue that that's good monitoring. Anybody disagree here at the table? Just monitor. No. Well, it can. We'll go through the list. We'll okay, let's do. So that's two. So first one, again, first one was geodetic points. Second one was slope inclinometers. Third one was installing standpipe. <clears throat> Y'all ready for this? Mm -hmm. Piezometers, <laughs> not piezometers. Been practicing all week. Piezometers to track changes in groundwater. That one, I'll be honest, I do want to flesh that one out a little bit more, but not right now. I've, I'm not familiar with too many places where I've seen that effectively used. So I really want to hear from you, Alex, but that's the third one. Fourth one is evaluating the accumulation of strain on the pipeline by installing strain gauges. Mm -hmm. So let's just summarize that as strain gauges. Mm -hmm. I think all four of these are related to on-site, site-specific activities that would take place on the pipeline. Okay. The way I want to frame this, and I think they're all four related to monitoring, even if they're not, I'm going to say, worded necessarily so in this. Mm -hmm. What do you like about each one, and when do we use them? So let's start with start geodetic with monuments. Okay. Alex. Monuments. Okay. The, Sorry, what did I call them? Oh, geodetic points. Okay. We call them survey monuments sometimes. Okay. I've yeah. heard that word used. Right. So I, I, didn't, I didn't. I wasn't sure if there was like a shrine there or something that you would go and like. You can install a shrine on the pipeline right away, but typically it's much smaller than that. All right. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. No, the, these are uh, basically survey benchmarks, as it says in the in the, the bulletin, and the, the intention of that is to quantify movement of a slope. So. Again, when we're talking about geo hazards at the surface level, at the surface level, at the right? surface level, and then the, the big advantage of them is they're relatively cheap because you're just putting a survey pin, you're having a survey go back out, uh, we measure the position, and if the position changes, you can then infer that the slope is moving, right? So it helps to quantify that that movement, which again sometimes can be sub visual, right? It might be yeah. a, a relatively small amount of movement that you can't see. But this is something you have to send a surveyor out to do every it time. It is. It is. Yep. I'm not aware. I've not seen anybody try and do that continuously. Like where you put a target out there and continuously monitor whether or not it's moving on like in a level of an inch. There, there are, there are, not that you can do that, self-locating GPS mm -hmm. uh, benchmarks, but they are tend to be relatively expensive. Mm -hmm. And, and so, you got to power them in the middle of nowhere, I'm sure right. as well. Yep. Cool. Now the, the inclinometers and the pisometers are, are interesting because 
Those can be used for monitoring. Mm -hmm. um, if you can convert those to remotely monitor. I have seen those applications multiple times. Yep. Mm -hmm. um, it's measuring movement of the crowd, much like the survey uh, monuments, but it's also measuring the depth at which that movement is happening. So there's another purpose for those, mm -hmm. which is if you're trying to design some kind of mitigation, whether that's a retaining wall or an HDD, you're, you're going to want to know where is that movement happening, how Agreed. deep. Is it happening at the depth of the pipeline? Is it happening below the depth? Exactly. And if you wanted to hold the hillside back, how deep do I need to go? Exactly. So, I agree. Let's so, pause, let's so pause there a little bit. That could be one, one purpose can be I'm he trying to monitor that slope. It's a right over going, keep going, yeah, keep going. No, keep going. He's taking over the show. Yeah, I like this guy. We gave him the floor. I'm worried. It's kind of like when the hitchhiker pulls out the gun when you're driving. <laughs> oh, my God. And they're like, keep going. <laughs> <laughs> we'll come to a break in a minute, guys. Um, anyway, just, just kind of close out the thought is that, again, that's where knowing the objective is, is important. If you're just trying to characterize the slope to design your mitigation, Mm. It's an assessment tool, right? Yes. If it's doing a monitoring so that you can have some kind of trigger to say, okay, the slope has moved X amount, I need to then do something else, then it's monitoring, right? And so I think that's that's where understanding the purpose is very important. Um, now, the big downside for inclinometers and pisometers is you got to get a drill rig mm -hmm. out onto that right of way. You have to drill borings. Yeah. You know, you have to, so you have to get access to that spot. You've got to get if there's permits, uh, the cost of the drilling. All those things, so they tend to be much more expensive than uh, survey monuments what, 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 to monitor a slope. What's the deal with pisometers? Pisometers measuring groundwater pressure, right, or groundwater level. What are you going to do with that? It's groundwater level. It's, it's part of you trying to understand and characterize mm -hmm. that slope. So if you're going back to the retaining wall example, you want to know what the what the water is doing, um, or if you're doing something like a drainage system, you want to know. Where's the water at? Mm. And be able to monitor if that drainage system is working. Let me ask a question another way. Have you ever seen an operator set up an effective KPI or a warning circle, a response criteria based on a pisometer? I'm not aware of it because there is a would be challenges. I'm sorry, that's what I'm getting at. I don't. Yeah. So, I'm not challenging. It doesn't give you useful information in understanding it. Mm -hmm. But for monitoring a pipeline, what the heck am I going to do with the data from right. a pisometer? Right. Oh my gosh, we have groundwater at the site. Well, it rained. I know it's not that simple. Well, that's when data integration comes into play, right? Yeah. That's why that But it is that, useful that for understanding so the cause, I agree. Now you might want to mitigate it. I don't know that it's useful for monitoring. Right. No, it, I could see a scenario where you have a, a landslide you've been monitoring for a very long time, and you know that when the groundwater reaches a certain level, it tends to move. So I've just never seen anybody tie it to that. I realize what you just did, yep. but I've never seen anybody tie it to yep. that. I just want to make sure that there may be someone out there who's yeah. listening to the show. And they're going to call us. I'm yeah. gonna, you know what would be fabulous? If somebody mailed me a pisometer, oh, that would be fabulous. So I don't think we're actually So one. I, I, I want to go back to this point. So you mentioned something, and you said that um, that inclinometers and pisometers can be, can be very helpful when you're designing mitigation activities. Yep. Let's talk about timing, mm -hmm. right? So is, is a specific... Um, element that needs to be considered when you're thinking about installing these two monitoring techniques. What role does timing play? In, in terms of the, the timing to the mitigation? Yeah, because you, you, you said you have to be objective about when you're putting them in. Right. Right. So if you're just going to monitor, then I guess you could just put them in as needed. Mm -hmm. But if you want to put them in to help understand what mitigation is needed, right. is there a timeline that you would say... Oh, do you need like a year of yeah, data? Do you need, do you need, six, you need six months? Do you need six months of data? Do you need 12 days? Like, yeah, and, and I'm, I'm going to give you a very geologist's answer. And that's okay. It, it, oh, it depends. depends. Okay. He went metallurgist on us. Yeah. 
Full Fudgy, Fudgy would word. be proud. <laughs> All right. Well, well, if we, if we think about like, uh, just think about a landslide, right? So mm. a landslide is anything from something that's moving very quickly, you know, measure its movement in miles per hour, to something that might be inches per year, right? Yeah. So if it's moving in that inches per year, Category, you might need a long time to monitor it before you get that information. Yeah. If it's moving in that, like say, inches per day, mm. you could probably get that information in a week, right? And so again, it's it's all about, you know, the points we went through before. You have to understand what you're looking at. Yeah. You have to characterize that that landslide and have your objectives in place. Like just doing a indiscriminate, you know, one size fits all approach is going to create yeah. problems for you. There so, will be gaps, guys. Yeah. Look. I passed the host baton for a little while to the hitchhiker. I got to take it back because Miss Producer <laughs> is very, very irritatingly telling me that we need to take a break. So you're, you, like she's irritated, so, not in an irritating so manner. You were, so you were able to get the gun away from the hitchhiker and, and regain control. Point, we're gonna have to take a break to hear from some of our sponsors. <laughs> Stay with us so we finish up this conversation. director and co-founder of ADV Marketing. We get the honor of working with Rhett and Christopher to produce this crazy podcast and also work with them on any other initiatives that they have when it comes to marketing. And if you know them or are listening to this podcast, you know that it gets pretty crazy around here. So we have a lot of fun with them. ADV Marketing is a full-service business-to-business marketing agency. Um, we specialize in service companies and technology companies. So if you are enjoying listening to this podcast and the fun that they're having, reach out to us and see how we can make your marketing fun. All right, welcome back to the Hitchhikers episode where um, we lost control of the show for a minute, wrested control back, and uh, we're having fun talking about geohazards as we as we conclude our non-disc offing, non-hiking a 14-foot mountain uh, trip uh, to Colorado. But we get to have fun with uh, with the dirt merchant. We are having fun with the dirt I, I, merchant. I mean, honestly, Brad, I'd rather talk about geohazards than, you know, Disc golf. Disc golf <laughs> Have you played? ever actually played disc hey, golf? It, no, 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 no. The right thing is he said, hey, if you're having fun, you're never working a day. That's right. This is how he has fun. Yeah. I just want to point out, they have some fabulous disc golf courses in the Woodlands we, that are not that far from here. Golf? We could go play disc golf and talk to your hazards at the same time. That's very possible. We could do it. We could do that. But I don't think we can do it while we're shooting a podcast. <laughs> I don't know. Is that producers. a challenge? I, I think we shot a podcast during a road trip. She nearly drew the line there. She has one of those Ronins, one of those ninja thingies where like the camera stays. But I think she's gonna put her foot down at some point, Chris. And I think she's just gonna say, I'm not doing this. We have mics, the shirt lapel mics, Mm -hmm. and she has one of those ninja thingies that like She's gonna follow us through on the disc golf course with the booms, trek and stuff. That is an idea. I I like this. Could you imagine? And with a lot of the clientele you typically see on a disc golf course, could you imagine when they would wonder what was going on? (laughs) They might ask us for an autograph. They might not know who we are. They're like, hey, are y'all famous? Okay, guys. Back on track. Love it. We were in the middle of talking, finishing up the monitoring plan section, right? And we grouped a whole bunch of those together that we actually felt like were effectively monitoring inclinometers, piezometers. Um, There were two that we didn't cover that they have listed on here. One is uh, installing strain gauges. They say evaluating the accumulation of strain on the pipeline by installing strain gauges. Um, 
I, look, you and I have both worked at length in that field. I'll say strain gauges are, in my opinion, a very effective way to know precisely what's happening on the pipe. They have their use. They do have a lifespan. Sometimes getting them to work remotely with all the power options that we've already alluded to can be a challenge. Mm -hmm. um, the bigger you make the box on site, the more people like to shoot at it for some reason. So again, it has its challenges, but they are very effective in the right place mm -hmm. is my advice to operators. So if you're thinking about doing strain gauges, that's something where you definitely need to be talking to an expert about where to install them and under what conditions. And it's monitoring, right? It's 100% monitoring. Check, right. and, and unlike the other ones, which monitor what's happening at the soil, it's explicitly monitoring what's going on in the pipe. Which is which is consistent with, for example, ILI, yep. right? Where we talked about you're not measuring the environment, you're actually measuring what's 100%. going on in the pipeline. Um, the, the next one's again, another one world I live in, but I don't want to talk about it. Conducting stress strain analysis, utilizing inline inspection tools equipped with inertial mapping unit technology and high resolution deformation. Inline inspection for pipe bending and denning for movement. That is that monitoring? That's bending strain. Um, I would, it's a good question, Chris. That's I, it's not continuous monitoring. That's an assessment. Um, that is a point in time. I would agree. I think a bending a strain is a snapshot of time. If you need a response. I, I would agree. I, I think what they're talking about is doing bending strain analysis and then potential in the data you gather, you might do like a level three yeah. finite element yeah. analysis. Point is, I agree with you. Yeah. That doesn't fit under under monitoring, but it's an effective tool to assess the pipeline. The challenge is, is that somebody could could argue their language and just say, well, theoretically, it is monitoring because you run an ILI, you separate features between immediate scheduled and monitoring. Yeah. So the whole point there is just to say it's In, it's finicky. It is a way to monitor. It kind of. But at best, yeah. you can't get it more. I mean, I've seen people run every four months. That's yeah. the closest I have ever seen. I mean, I that took a lot of effort on the operator's part yeah. and a significant And there may be better part. ways, is kind yeah. of what you're saying. It depends on your scenario. I mean, I love bending strain, but as a monitoring, it's pretty tough to do. It depends, yes. right, on the scenario. Uh, right. The last one is utilizing aerial mapping, light detection, and ranging, or other technology. Um, I actually, I'm gonna argue that's in the same category as bending strain. Mm -hmm. Is it not? I think it's you're, pretty close. I mean, it's, it's hard to get the data more than once every six months. Probably annually is the realistic. Mm. Limit for most most scenarios. It begins so. to feel more like an assessment. Yeah. Versus, so true, versus true monitoring, right? Where we say monitoring could be more around gathering data mm -hmm. and looking for change, whereas those latter two feel more like assessments. Okay. All right. That was fun, guys. I actually, was to be fun. honest, I enjoyed. So we, we got through point four, which is the monitoring, right? And, I, and I'm <laughs> honest, I, I'm hoping that if you as an audience have any experience with us, you, you really benefited from that conversation. Um, or if you don't have experience. If you don't have experience, good, right, and you're wondering what to do, I, I agree. I, yeah. I've enjoyed the conversation. Um, the next one we want to talk about is point nine, right? Point nine, I'm going to read it. Mitigation measures should be based on site-specific conditions and may include. And then it proceeds to give one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen individual site-specific mitigation options. There's no way we're going to get through 13 on this show. And I don't think we need to, uh, yeah. because when I look at these guys, they're kind of, uh, we took the liberty to group them for the audience yep. because they're kind of convoluted, right? So, and sometimes they're repetitive. So for instance, rerouting is mentioned twice. Mm. Uh, installing trench breakers is mentioned three times. Um, yeah. it's, it's like they took a, a point, made it in one, then ran with it in another one. I'm gonna loosely group them into three categories, which is helpful for us. Okay. So when we're talking about mitigating, a geohazard threat, taking action, and I think that's the right word. I think the word's right, Chris. Yep. 
The first option is to eliminate the threat, and you can do it by rerouting the pipeline, utilizing an HDD, putting it above ground, or, well, it says rerouting again, shutting it in. Sorry. Okay. So those are so your let's four get some options to here, eliminate. Right? So from your experience, Alex, let's say if, if, a, if an operator approached you and said, hey, we have all these challenges, and you go through all the ways to monitor, and you're like, we need to reroute this. Mm -hmm. When you've seen operators reroute, does it truly eliminate the threat of geohazards in those cases? You know, again, just kind of at the risk of saying the same thing to before, it's, it's yeah. all about characterization of the, the threat, right? Yeah. So you, um, you got to understand what you're trying to do, you got to yeah. understand what you're trying to avoid. Uh, this is a feasible option though. Some some operators will do HDD to go underneath a, a landslide. Mm -hmm. They will do a, a bridge or other structures to go above yeah. the landslide. Or you know, in some cases, you have to just pick an entirely new new route. So if there's yeah. no other feasible options, or a water body, right? For or, like, or water. I, I feel, have you seen, have you ever crossed the Atchafalaya? In Louisiana, yeah, you know, all really the time. Big bridge. I'm from Louisiana. When you're headed, when you're headed east, if you look to the right, there's actually a span. It's pretty cool. Yep. Oh yeah, no, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty neat. So if you guys are ever going to Florida, crossing the Chafalaya, I don't. I actually heard they're Did monitoring speed now. Did you just try to invite the hitchhiker back to Florida? All I'm saying is, that I actually heard they're monitoring speed now. Somebody told me that they 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 monitor when you get on the bridge. And when you get off, and then based on the time it takes oh, you, they'll send I've you never, a ticket. I've hmm. never heard that. Because we're going in nuts. a couple of weeks, and I was like, All I'll say is if you've never been a part of a wreck on that bridge, <laughs> people get out of their cars and just start walking around. It's bad. <laughs> it's really bad. All right, so back All to right, back So track. I think the point was it's, the point is you eliminate In, in many cases, you're, you're, you can effectively get to a point to where you're, you've almost completely eliminated. But, but let's be real. This is invasive. I mean, to do this, this is usually in most cases the most difficult. Yes. Yeah. But it's still, I want to say something. It's still not, hey, I'm rerouting the pipeline, I'm done with it. It has to be properly rerouted, yeah. properly brought above ground, yeah. or you gotta make sure the HDD goes under the actual yeah. area where it can be impacted. That, 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 that last point is so critical, right? And that's kind of what we're talking about the kilometers, right? Is that the, probably the worst possible scenario would be to do an HDD and still be within that landslide. That would be you so, if you've seen that, <laughs> Uh, don't comment. I, I I'm sorry. Don't comment. 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 <laughs> but that would be the worst possible scenario to, to end up in. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, let's talk about the Moving second on. category, yeah. right? Uh, the second and third category are pretty closely related, but I'm going to say that the second one is related to, um, let's say, mitigating the driving forces, yeah. right? So it's an, mm. it, it reads like this, installing trench breakers and slope breakers to mitigate trench seepage or divert drainage flows. Yep. Um, alternatively, drying the soil using special additives such as lime kiln dust. I've actually never seen that done. That's all a bit unique to me. But point is, they're trying to get rid of water or divert surface flows. They're trying to take away whatever's causing the geotechnical hazard, the geohazard to happen and push it somewhere else. Right. Yeah. So in, in most cases, water is a critical component of landslides. Most of us know that uh, landslides are more common after a heavy precipitation mm -hmm. event or after snow mm -hmm. melt or other changes in, in water conditions. And so these measures are trying to reduce the influence the water on that uh, unstable slope. Uh, so in some cases it can be very effective. It tends to be cheaper than some of the other measures we're, we're talking about, but there are also risks with it because it's not necessarily a guarantee that the mm -hmm. threat has been eliminated. Yeah. In some cases yeah. it, can, um, it can still reoccur even after yeah. those drainage measures, and in some cases it can actually make the problem worse. Have you actually seen them do have you ever actually used a recommended cement kiln dust? 
I haven't personally seen it. It's it's common on uh, really? construction okay. sites. Oh, have, construction I could yeah. see. Yeah. Okay, I was thinking about going out on an existing right of way and doing that. I was like, I've never seen that before. This seems a bit strange to me. Yeah. Um, the other one I think we more, I, I want to ask you, is this an example of it too? Sometimes you'll walk on a pipeline right away. It's got the hill and they have the nice little terraces that mm -hmm. slope diagonally going away. The, uh, the water bars, slope breakers. You yep. yeah. uh, mm -hmm. Thanks. I feel yeah. like that's the second time in two episodes he's corrected me. <laughs> that's what we have him here for. He's so, the SME. Have you ever well, seen Pizziombri? Pizziombri. Right of way, Brett. So. Yeah. He's flexing a little bit, buddy. He's oh. flexing. Chris, you gotta help me get the gun back. You gotta help me get. <laughs> <laughs> well done, Alex. Well done. I feel like I'm just going to go sit in my little hole now. Um, water bars. Slope. Uh -huh. th th those are examples of what we're talking about here. Those I have, do feel like I've seen operators take that as like a first line of defense. Yeah, it's common, Right. Common to control name. erosion or to control the flow of water. And um, in your experience, they can be effective sometimes. I mean, it's, to be honest, compared to doing an HDD or rerouting, right, you can get some, potentially some cost benefit there. So Yeah, like, you know, again, kind of. You know, the risk of being too much of a geologist when it always kind of depends on the, the water the scenario. And um, when you look at the drainage measures that they're talking about here, there's things like doing just simple diversion of where's the water coming from on the surface to more involved things like laying drain tiles in the um, the trench mm -hmm. or... I'm sorry, wait, what's a drain tile? Drain tile is just a perforated pipe, right? So it's a, oh, it's a collection of Like a French water. drain. Yep, got it. Yep. Or French drains, or you know, more more complicated subsurface drainage measures. Um, there's uh, in the geotechnical field things called horizontal drains, where you're drilling in on a hole and installing a drain. And so the idea is get the water away so that you can't saturate or change the conditions of yeah. the soil to drive movement. Right. So another way of saying it is, the higher the water table, the more the driving force for that landslide. Mm. So if you're able to draw down that water table, you're more likely to stabilize that that slope. Now again, the big, the big risk of all this is that you're changing the conditions in that, that slope when you're installing those drainage measures. Oh, it's just like unintended consequences. You get unintended consequences. Seriously. Right? Yeah. And so... I thought it's a butterfly effect, but... It, well, yeah. <laughs> you know, being, being, being cognizant of, of what is the mm. situation, one of the most common things that happens is people will take water from one place and put it to, another. It to mm -hmm. another place that's also unstable, right? And now you've just made a problem worse. <laughs> Where did that water came from? It came from the sister right away. It's their problem now. <laughs> it's starting to sound a whole lot like Harvey. Har Harvey? Yeah, Hurricane. Oh, yeah, no, that's a whole different. Let's not go there. Um, okay, I, I, I actually really like that discussion because I think it's... I don't think any of these options really happen apart from some expertise, right? So you don't just go out there and grade your slope, right? I don't think you just go out there and hire anybody you want to say, hey, we'll regrade the slope and throw a drainage tile in. You really yeah. should think through the, the process. You're gonna make sure that that's gonna address your need. Um, right. And we keep saying that again and again, but it's because I think you have to understand your objective. You have to understand the cause. You can't just go out there and do these you know, willy-nilly. Yep. Yeah. You want to design and you want to put the You want it to be proper, yeah. right? You want to put the appropriate application. I, I think site. the third grouping is more invasive than that, but I like to, it, it, let's call it site intervention. Mm -hmm. This is where we're going to go in. We are going to control what's happening at the site 
because we probably can't stop the driving force and either we don't want to reroute or can't reroute or it's too expensive. I mean, there are cases where I think HDD would be impossible if you're going into bedrock and right. things like that. So what they're doing here is uh, holding back the hillside basically, right? So we are installing retaining walls, soldier piles, sheet piles, wire mesh systems, mechanically stabilized, mechanically stabilized earth systems. Mm -hmm. I don't even think I know what that is, but that sounds cool. Um, and then I'd say, uh, you know, again, those, I feel like a lot of times are, require a lot of planning, pretty invasive. Mm. Um, what are your experiences in those? Do y'all get involved? Do you get involved in a lot of that? So, kind of the, the, the way um, we work here is that the geologists like myself do the upfront characterization. Mm. So we've gone out there, we're, we're mapping out the landslides. Um, we're oftentimes overseeing the collection of soil samples from drill rigs and doing that the um, assessment of what's the hazard. And then we typically kick that over to the geotechnical engineers who would do the design for those types of retaining systems. So anytime you have a, a retaining system, you gotta, you gotta go through that process, right? You gotta go, okay, what's the extent of the landslide? What is it doing? What's the what loading the on the retaining wall? Where do I need to anchor to? Exactly, because in some cases, some systems will be feasible under some conditions, but not other conditions, right? Mm -hmm. And so, again, it's that idea of not necessarily a one-size-fits-all type. I think type the challenge in that, though, is that that takes a lot of time to gather all that information and make a decision. Just it going does. back to timing, I think, I don't feel like I see that implemented a whole lot, to be honest. I've seen a few times where I've told the client, like, wow, ooh, you get to play God and hold the hillside back. That's cool. Um, but it's really invasive. Like, they're big construction mm -hmm. projects. They're drilling sometimes deep piles or deep yeah. anchors into the hillside. Yeah. Like, it's in... Like it's impressive. Like I want to go watch it and be done just because I'm impressed. Um, but it also requires. It's not something you can motivate. You can motivate. Not motivate. It's not the right word. You can put in motion quickly. Is what right. I'm trying to say. But it takes right. time to. It takes it's, time to do the assessment. It takes time to do the design. You know. it takes time to get the, the contractor. The cost benefit, the risk profile, all that stuff. Right. So we're beginning to see a lot of these risk profiles get incorporated into budgeting processes. Yeah. So where they can start seeing where dollars are truly impacting risk mm -hmm. and, and coupling that integrity program or operation and maintenance to where the dollars are being spent. So that stuff takes time. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, th I think one of the things that's really important about that, I think there's a misconception sometimes that when these operators are faced with uh, landslide hazards, yeah. that the answer is just to eliminate all the landslide hazards. You see that kind of batted around sometimes. That's difficult. I think it's it's, it's more likely it's, it's to just it's, for a lot of operators. It's impossible. And there's there's a variety of reasons for that. In some cases the landslides are, are too big. Yeah. That with our current human technology, we don't have the ability to stabilize those. Is that what they meant by earth systems? Yep. They're just changing the earth. They're they're, in, they're bringing in a new earth system. Yeah. I mean, it looks, exactly. In, in some you know in some cases the landslides are too common, mm -hmm. there's too many of them to go through and do all that um, solid retaining walls or, you know, so the pipeline needs to go from A to B, it's got to go through that area. Yeah, it just yeah. too, too much for any, any operator to financially bear to, to do that. So What's I'm gonna, next? I'm gonna, uh, that's it, man. I mean, there's a few others on here, you know, that are interesting to talk about, but I think, you know, talking about um, regrading the pipeline right away, that fits into point number two. And then there's some stuff on compacting backfill, which I thought was interesting, but it's a whole separate conversation. I think Alex yeah. and I could get in on compacting backfill. I think it's actually a good place to wrap it up. So I've actually really enjoyed this conversation. I think, I think for me, I, I wanna get you guys parting mm -hmm. thoughts as we leave. I, I like how we covered monitoring 
and maybe the correction or misuse of words there I thought it was really funny and how we, how we went through each of those. Um, the findings, I'm sorry, the, the mitigating measures were, were again really cool to kind of group into, you know, eliminate the threat, mitigate it, or um, site intervention. Site intervention. Yeah. Right. And so I think the overall taking on all of them is you have to understand your objective what you're trying to do and you'll likely need and help. i'm gonna say get help yeah. that's you'll exactly where i was going help. i don't think most operators can figure out what to do yeah. with this in the geohazards world you got to get help that's my yeah. recommendation give us a call if i don't if i mispronounce piezometer that is your cue to hang up the phone and call someone else um probably alex uh but no really get help so i'm gonna i'm gonna give you guys one chance yeah and I'm trying to figure out if I give control back to Alex for his parting thoughts. We might not get it back. I know. That's <laughs> why I think we go to to you yeah. first, Chris. Parting thoughts. Alex, parting thoughts. Yeah. And then I'll close. Bring us home. I would. I. I you hear me say this a lot, right? Is it's. Um, you say a lot of things. One of the reasons why why we brought this to the podcast is it's. Um, there's a lot of information that's published, mm -hmm. and operators are very busy, and so we're just trying to bring relevant information to you guys. And try to help you get through it. So and whether, this is relevant. Yeah. So whether it's like a a, pay, a white paper that we publish or a PPM, PPM presentation. In this case, FIMSA has published it. Alex earlier mentioned there's a there's an RP being developed uh, by API. Um, the point is there's a lot of information out there, and we know it's hard for you guys to to always be able to sift through all of it. So hopefully you guys enjoyed it. And like always, just I would say, ask for help when a topic comes up. Don't be afraid to call us. That's what we do, and we can we can compact this information and get it to you the way you need it pretty quickly. So I think that's the message. Because there's a lot of this done back. Yeah. Parting thoughts, Alex. Well, thanks again for having me on the podcast, and yeah, always appreciate it. It's always a good time. Yeah. Uh, thanks for not shooting us. Yeah. <laughs> this, is I, this is this is wild. Like I'm wondering what circumstances we will find Alex next time when we have him on the show. <laughs> probably, Alex, on the R, probably on the RP. I gotta be honest. I don't know if we're done with you yet. I feel like geohazards is probably yeah. one of the most relevant topics in the pipeline industry right now. I feel like we have more conversations to come if you're willing to jump in the car and with I, us. I think yeah, I think it's gonna I be the so. RP. I think next time we might be in a boat. We might be on a disc golf. There's <laughs> sky is the limit for where we will go with the audience. Thank you guys for joining us on this conversation about geohazards. Alex, thanks for being here with us. Thank you guys. I'm your host, Thing 20, your co-host, Thing 21. It's been great being with you. Follow us next time to see us on our next episode of Pipeline Things.